This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. going on everyone i've got a special bonus podcast for you today wednesday night last night immediately after aew dynamite myself and kyle went live on the locker room app to talk about dynamite as well as the roddy piper documentary that aired this past sunday night on a and e and so we're going to be doing these locker room shows like i said on the locker room app uh, each and every week For the foreseeable future, basically, it's going to be a second edition of Top Rope Nation every week. Now, the Locker Room app is only available on Apple devices right now. So if you have an Apple device, if you search Locker Room in the App Store and download it, you can create a profile. You can follow me. It's at rdrosti. You can follow Kyle at trpkyle. And the shows air live right there in the app. And the cool thing about it, as you're about to hear on this show, is that people that are in the room listening can ask to speak. Basically, you can call into the show. So these are going to be these kind of interactive shows, almost like call-in radio shows that we do every week in addition to our flagship podcast, which will continue to air each and every Friday. Now, the cool thing about Locker Room, in addition to all of that, is I'm able to download an audio file of the show after the fact and mix it and put it out on our podcasting feed. So for people who can't have their phone open for an hour or, or however long we're on, you can still hear it after the fact. And for people that don't have an Apple device, you can still hear the full show that way. So now this week, I am presenting the full bonus show here on our regular feed. But moving forward, each and every week, if you want to get those bonus shows, the locker room shows, sign up for our Patreon page. For $5 a month, you will now be getting five bonus shows every month. That will be four locker room shows, one each and every week, plus what we've been doing now for a couple of years, each and every month, the Top Rope Nation Classics podcast, which has always been exclusive to Patreon. I think it's a pretty good deal. It's the best way to support the podcast. Of course, you don't have to pay to hear the locker room show. If you have an Apple device, you can just tune in. But you know, for the convenience of being able to listen to it as a podcast after the fact, join the Patreon page, support what we're doing. You get five extra shows per month, plus other benefits like access to our show notes, um, exclusive Zoom hangouts with us, and everything else. You can find the link to our Patreon page here in the podcast description. We'd be honored to have your support. So if you like what you hear and you want to continue listening each and every week outside of the locker room app, patreon.com slash Nation. So here it is, our first edition of Top Rope Nation Extra from the Locker Room app on Wednesday night. 
This is a locker room production. So here we are. We're on the locker room app. It is our first show here on this platform. We're going to be doing this each and every week. It is a Top Rope Nation extra broadcast i suppose we will brand it Ooh. and uh, we've done that before we, we had some top rope nation extra shows in the past those of course we're not on locker room but bring back that gimmick so this is this is top rope nation extra we are talking about tonight's aew dynamite whatever is on the minds of everyone listening here on locker room tonight feel free to participate in the show kyle how you doing tonight man I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I actually went to my first live sporting event in well over a year this afternoon. Had a few beers in Cleveland, did you? Uh, yes, there's simply no disputing that. Yes, that that <laughs> happened. But, you know, hey, uh, came home, laid on the couch for a few hours, shook it off, uh, and watched AEW Dynamite, which is, I guess, the reason we're here. No one really gives a damn that I... Spent my afternoon in the standing room only section of Progressive Field. <laughs> hey, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite. I care about it, though, Kyle. You were text- texting me earlier today and sounded like a good time. But, yeah, we're here to talk AEW Dynamite. I thought another really good outing from the new wrestling company on the block. I mean, they've been having now, I guess, three weeks in a row after kind of hitting a rough patch. They've had some very good shows here on TNT. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I want to get your take. Uh, I mean, overall, what did you think of the show? It was a good show. Um, I'm wondering about myself and my fanhood. And you may ask, in what regard, Kyle? I'm glad you asked, Ryan. I'm going to tell you. As I watch weekly television programs, I am becoming more and more drawn to the non-wrestling segments. As opposed to just a, you know the straight matches, mm-hmm. and to that point, my favorite thing on tonight's show was the uh, parlay or whatever it was called between the inner circle and Pinnacle. Oh, I thought that was so an absolutely tremendous segment to get me excited about a big match next week. Yeah. No, that was that was that was a highlight to me too. Those non-talking segments, I feel like on AEW, they're just more fresh than what you see on WWE right now. Um, and yeah. I agree. I look forward to that stuff too. Yeah, I mean, we've joked about it before. You know, I, I even went so far as to, you know, say that sometimes you know the non-wrestling segments of WWE television can come across as you know a poorly acted high school play where the performers are being held at gunpoint. Um, <laughs> this felt more authentic. Like, hey, two groups of guys don't like each other. We're going to talk a lot of shit. And, and it really worked. It, it made, you know, yeah. a, se- a segment like that, I shouldn't have to say that it's pretty simple, but it should just make you want to watch what they're hyping. And it made me want to watch it. And a uh, bit of an interesting uh, bit of news coming out of the show. We were all under the impression, I think, that Blood and Guts next week would be a one match up. Yeah, two not so much now. Yeah. Yeah. So I was scrolling on Twitter. I believe it was uh, David Bixenspan. Who? What a busy day he had on that app. Mm-hmm. Um, he clarified it that I think if you go to watch Blood and Guts live, that's the only match you're seeing. I think they're taping everything else on a different day. 
That's going to air on the show. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. yeah. So if you were uh, caught a little off guard, like maybe I was by, you know, when they started announcing matches, Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, I know was one of them. Uh, we're going to get uh, Kingston and Moxley against Omega and uh, Nagazawa, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was not because I were Brandon Cutler, one of the Stooges. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be other matches uh, besides just the Blood and Guts, which makes sense because we were wondering this out loud last week, mm-hmm. I think, on the show with Justin, Ryan. We were like, man, all the hype in the world, how are you going to fill up two hours with just one match? So this makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So we've got our first caller on the line. Gonna invite him to unmute and talk. Uh, let us know, Brian. What do you think of AEW Dynamite tonight, or what's on your mind? Well, first off, guys, I'd like to welcome you to the locker room platform. Uh, nice meeting you both. Uh, first time caller, uh, first time listener, actually. So oh. I'm actually the uh, resident uh, AEW OG when uh, locker room was still in the beta testing. So I've been trying to integrate more uh, quality wrestling in uh, viewers' lives, uh, such as AEW. Not. A- WWE. I mean, SmackDown's like okay, but you know, but uh, NXT, I'll have his moments too. But uh, I'm trying to lean towards AEW for shows to check out. And um, yeah, really, really enjoyed the show. I, I think uh, uh, it was Kyle that mentioned earlier that, you know, there was about a, a month ago, AEW, especially when they had that lower rating when NXT was about to go off air uh, to Tuesdays, it was kind of a little wobbly. But I think since we've got some direction, yeah. They're starting to really kick it in the gear, and that traditionally happens. And this show, especially, what a variety to pick from. Okay, if you're if you're not into uh, Brian Cage, and I know every, everybody's not into Brian Cage, there's so much so much other stuff on this show. You've got hard hitting uh, uh, Penta versus Orange Cassidy. What a clash of styles! That was very entertaining. And if you don't like the Penta says gimmick right now, then you're just, uh, you're not human. That is like the funniest. <laughs> and, and let's be real here. Penta, I, I, I think I can tell Penta is having a lot more fun with Alex in his corner. I feel like when you're enjoying, well, like anybody, right? If you like going to your job every day, you're going to really have fun and show it. And it looks like both of those guys are really enjoying being paired together. And they should have definitely done that a long time ago. And, uh, how about uh, some love for the women's division again? Uh, Chris Santlander just looking like a freaking hoss, man. I know oh, her yeah. demeanor is not like her gimmick. It kind of pisses people off or, you know, the Jim Cornette's off. But the thing is, her aloofness of the gimmick is not overshadowing paired with the best friends in Orange Cassidy. It actually is quite fitting. Yeah, she does still do the little boop. But as far as everything else, she pretty she's a badass in the ring, man. So I, I would completely i can't wait to see what they do with her and uh, you know of course uh the young bucks i don't know no i couldn't tell i'm not a shoe connoisseur i couldn't tell like if they were wearing ten thousand dollar jordans again but if that's <laughs> part of their daily gimmick as far as just being knobheads i'm certainly down with dude you know what those were those were the jordan 11 like self-lacing model that came out a couple of months ago they were i believe they were five hundred dollars a pair jeez okay very nice yeah yeah but they look flashy. They look nice. I'm a Jordan guy. So when I saw those, I was like, my jaw was dropping a little bit. Yeah. Pretty crazy. to be wrestling in those. I, I agree with everything you said. I think Statlander, like when she first came in pre-injury, it, it was, it was a little bit shaky. You know, like I was at the revolution pay-per-view last year where she wrestled uh, Nyla Rose and that match wasn't so great. 
while the rest of the card was awesome. <laughs> but that match wasn't so great. And it just, it, it wasn't connecting. I didn't feel like at the time, uh, but ever since she's come back, like, like you said, Brian, she still has, you know, like the goofiness to the gimmick a little bit, but she also feels like a little bit more serious. Uh, the pairing and the stable, like you said, is perfect. And how often does someone come back from an ACL injury and look better in the ring? I mean, she's, yeah, she's, she's firing at all cylinders right now. And I thought with Penelope tonight, it was a good match and it wasn't surprising that she would win that match, but definitely the right person won. And uh, I, yeah, I was, I was a fan. The, the women's division in AEW is on the up and up. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? You know, I think the fact that, Chris Statlander has, you know, quote unquote momentum. I don't know what the word momentum really means, but people like to use it and I'll use it uh, for argument's sake here. Speaks to the way in which she was brought back in that Arcade Anarchy match. That was a really creative and effective way to bring her back. And I think got people excited and people remember that. And it's just kind of continued. And like you guys have said, she's delivered in the ring a little bit now. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see where she goes. The, The women's division in AEW, for all the criticism it took over the last 12 months or so is much better and much deeper now than it was um they just didn't have a lot of horses at first Mm -hmm. so you got to build it and and they're building it's going a direction uh brian mentioned brian cage at the top i want to talk about that because that was him beating hangman page caught a lot of people by surprise in that opening match i want to know what you guys thought about that brian Oh, for sure. Oh, well, I, I absolutely loved it. I loved it because I was a little scared that, that they were trying to rush Kenny and Paige for three weeks, and I was not ready for that. I don't want that right now. It, if anything, that provide AEW's really gotten good at uh, a few things, obviously being like an awesome promotion. Um, but they've really gotten good at re-hitting, re-hitting their big men. Go back and look at what they did with Brody Lee, Lance Archer, Miro in the uh, Battle Royal, and now they're doing the same exact same with Brian Cage. Is this going to lead to him winning a title? No, probably not. But if anything, that creates him as a credible threat now, and that makes you really pay attention in, in the opening bout. Just because a guy's number one or number two doesn't mean they're automatically going to win. And it's you don't obviously want to do that every time, but you want to give that those people that say those seeds of doubt because eventually. Somebody's going to win one of those term, terminate, turn, tournament eliminators, I'm sorry. And then it's like, whoa, holy crap, that actually happened. So we're actually going to get a title match next week. So every part of that match, I really enjoyed. And if anything, they they put a match on paper and delivered because they didn't do the tropey WWE, hey, we're going to put two people together and there's going to be some bull crap finish like uh, they did with Roquel or Dakota Kai and... Um, Mercedes Martinez last night where it was just a DQ finish. Adam Adam Page got his ass kicked, and that's why he lost the match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's what I assume the out is going to be storyline-wise for Page. Well, he got jumped. You know, if I wanted to be nitpicky, he did kind of recover and wrestle a normal match nevertheless. But you brought something up, Ryan, that I think is key. And Ryan, we've talked about this on you know, the the mothership, the flagship Top Rope Nation show before. It is too early to go back to Omega and Page, and you cannot put Page in a world title situation where he is not going to win the world title. So I think him losing here is their way. It's like, okay, you've got this guy who's been winning every week. He's the number one contender. Why is he not 
challenging. Well, he lost now. So I think this is their way to get him out of the title picture. Is that great booking from Adam Page's perspective? We shall see uh, moving forward. I I wonder what they're going to do with him at the Mm pay-per-view. Yeah, I I think Brian made a a great point where he said you can't do that every time because we always talk about, you know, the 50-50 booking in WWE and how people never really get over because they win, they lose, they win, they lose. And God, like Paige has won almost all of his matches of late, right? Like, I don't even know how many matches in a row he had won uh, a lot. And for him to lose this match to open the show, and that's another key point because, you know, they're on this hot streak of like three really good shows in a row now, I think. They've all started with a fairly memorable match that has kept the audience tuned in. So if, if you tune into this and you're thinking like, oh, yeah, of course, Paige is going to win whoa, he, he actually lost. You know, that makes you take notice a little bit. Also, it makes you take notice is that finish, man. Every time, that drill claw is just such a ridiculous-looking finisher. Like, I don't know about you guys. When I saw Paige take that tonight, I was a little worried at first. It looked like his neck was bent a little awkwardly. Oh. <laughs> and, oh, boy, that looked brutal. <laughs> it's funny, the, the humanitarian Ryan Drosty Thinking of it from that perspective, whereas I saw it, I'm like, oh god, I hope he doesn't kick out of this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, God, don't kill the man's finish. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, um, you know, to that point that. Hello. Yep, we're good. We're good. Oh, okay. Uh, to that point that um, he uh, mentioned Brian about you can't do it all the time, but. On a show like tonight, it was actually a perfect time to do an upset like that. And look at the rest of the matches on this card. You pretty much knew who was going to win all of them. And those Mm -hmm. people won. So it it was, I guess, a a neat little thing to try. We shall see where it goes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Top to bottom, a, a pretty darn good show. I, Brian, I am glad to, to have you along here. Hopefully, we'll get you on the show each time out. It's looking like Wednesday nights is when we're going to go on. But, you know, thank you for laying the groundwork with the wrestling section here on uh, Locker Room. We appreciate that and giving us an opportunity to step in and kind of join the genre here on the app. Of course. Yeah, I'm so oh. glad we're starting to get some more wrestling folks in here because usually for a while I was just – me and um, my boy, uh, Daniel Greer, just talking to ourselves for hours at a time where we were just like, all right, so we're going to just talk wrestling for a couple hours because nobody else wants to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, as this app continues to grow with like the Spotify integration that I was reading about uh, coming along and that'll be huge. And then once we expand, obviously, beyond Apple, we'll get even more people on here. But uh, hopefully we'll keep pumping it on our flagship podcast. We'll get more people each and every every time out and we'll keep growing this section. So the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah, I got someone else here that wanted to come up to the stage. I think Aaron is in the chat. So let me see if I can get him up. And oh. I was going to tell you guys too, any, anytime I call you guys up on the, uh, on the stage, your microphone will be activated right away. So if I call you up, you'll want to, uh, mute right away. 
Otherwise, we'll hear you. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna call Aaron up on the stage now. Get him involved. Aaron, what's on your mind tonight, sir? So yeah, this is pretty cool. You guys doing this? Um, I have to agree with what Kyle was saying earlier about the uh, the promos tending to be what's really been interesting lately. I've you had you know the you know, whatever they want to call it this week with the pinnacle and, um, inner circle. But the, uh, I was really enjoying the little digs that they've been doing, you know, what it wore low last week and, uh, MJF with on Jericho with, you know, the red eyes and whatnot. But one of the <laughs> things I thought was, one of the things I thought was interesting. I mean, how many weeks in a row has Darby Allen been the main event? It's like three or four. I was just getting your guys' thoughts on what you thought of that being. Uh, I, I guess he grades out pretty well on uh, Chris Harrington's spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's their, their uh, analyst backstage, right? The numbers mm-hmm. guy, Chris Harrington. Mookie. Yeah, uh, he must because, yeah, they're putting him in prime spots. And, I mean, he's proven to be a draw with, with the ratings numbers from what I've seen. You know, usually his quarter hours perform pretty well. So they're letting him run with it. And then, you know, being the TNT champion as well. Uh, yeah, he gets the, over the title, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Main event slot. I mean, a TNT title, it's kind of, it, I think it's above the old TN or the old TV title that we would see in, you know, Crockett and uh, WCW. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that was a belt that was, you know, some, supposedly defended on TV every week, and that was the draw of it. So if you could put do that with this in a main event slot, it gets over the belt. I mean, it's a featured title, right? Because you can't, you can't do a world title match nope. um, every week, but you, you can do TNT title matches nearly every week. You're on TNT. It's the TV title. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be the featured guy. It makes sense yeah. for sure. It's not like they have a small roster. <laughs> for sure the uh the the talking segment yeah the the parlay they called it that was awesome man i was tweeting about that i loved it now last week on the flagship podcast we we let jericho have it a little bit he wasn't great last week mjf was great last week everybody was going off on how great mjf was this week chris jericho man he was the star of that segment he was hitting on all cylinders i got i gotta give it to chris man he was going through you know the history of his career bringing back that line about him uh you know doing job job matches when he was 25 on wcw then bringing in the fact that while he did that he had also already headlined in Japan and Mexico and Germany. I thought that that was really good and talking about paying his dues and everything. Yeah, he was serious. Yeah. Unlike, you know, trying to do that song or whatever that was last week. It was, you know, a a match like this, Blood and Guts, requires all of the participants to be serious. It's a blood feud. You don't want people to be, you know, doing jokes uh, Mm -hmm. out there. You know, generally speaking, I mean, I'm not saying you can't tell a joke at your you know, rivals expense, but yeah, I, I thought it was a more focused and better promo this week. Also shorter, mm-hmm. you know, because w- what did we say? Hey, let's let's hear Sammy speak, you know, Santana two weeks ago, or I guess last week had a great little short promo. We let everybody talk here. Sometimes that's not always great, but I think everyone, you know, got enough time and said enough that it worked. And nobody went too long, right? So, what did we what did we think of the finish 
of that main event, by the way. So, you know, Darby got the win, um, basically doing the old Bret Hart rolling through yeah. <laughs> the sleeper into the pin thing. But it looked like 10 might get the victory because of the, uh, the interference of Ethan Page here. So they're setting something up there as well. Well, yeah, I think as soon as Ethan Page came into the company, we had speculated that him and Darby might be a destination. Mm-hmm. Old rivals uh, in Evolve. Uh, I saw a great match between the two at Mania Weekend in Orlando. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to those two battling for the TNT title down the line. As for the finish tonight, man, who? It's not just WWE, obviously, but people freaking love that Survivor Series 96 finish. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or, I mean, or WrestleMania eight, WrestleMania eight too. Yeah, yeah. Just call it. We the should Bret just call Hart it the Bret Hart finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, people like agents love that finish in the yeah. 2020s. My God. Um, look, I, I didn't buy ten winning at all tonight, but I thought they did a pretty damn good job of getting him over. Mm-hmm. Like with the vignette, you know, talking about um what the Dark Order meant to him, his relationship with Brody Lee. I thought that was a good piece of business that made me more interested in him than I would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave him a lot in the match. Uh, he's got a you know pretty good build. Um, and it, eh, the finish was okay. I mean, I guess they just wanted to protect him, um, which is interesting that they would want to protect someone like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The bottom line is it, the match itself, I think, served two purposes. Let the audience see 10 a little bit. Eh, do they like this guy? We'll see where it goes. You know, did the rating hold? You know, we talked about Darby and the ratings mm-hmm. a little bit already. And also it was an excuse to get Paige and uh, Scorpio Sky out there to jump Darby and Sting afterwards. You know, Sting laid out, putting the heel hook. So it'll be interesting yeah. where they go with that. Is there a tag match that seems kind of natural down the line? Now, Lance Archer could be doing the tagging rather than Sting. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's and that's an odd storyline with yeah. like Lance Archer. Because like, wasn't he like after Sting, and yeah. then like now he's been like saving him? Yeah. Did I miss something? Yeah, I don't. It is. It is. Maybe it is a little bit of a stretch. I might have missed something there too. Yeah, and, but and, you can't and, have Sting wrestling. You know, every yeah. time here. So, and and I always just love Jake Roberts. Like you know, five minutes behind Lance when he runs out too. You know, it's like <laughs> Lance is like getting into the physicality, and Jake's like strolling out there. You know, uh, half a mile an hour a minute. So Jake was having a smoke in the back, man. Yeah, he might have. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I I thought that match was okay. It was it was interesting that Ten uh, got. Uh, such a showcase like that. And you're right. They did do the uh, uh, near fall when Paige interfered. How do you feel? Because in modern wrestling, you say that a lot where mm-hmm. there's inter- heel interference and it doesn't get the win. I, if you overdo it, no one ever buys it. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's something they got to be careful with because I feel that in AEW they do do that a lot. Yeah, I, I cannot mention a specific example off the top of my head. Oh, Lord knows it's WWE they do it too. But like you know, it used to be if a heel would do that and interfere behind the right, it was over. Like that was the finish. Mm-hmm. You know, you. I don't think up until like you know late nineties or whatever that you ever saw really a babyface kick out. 
for in yeah. that situation. Now you you see it quite frequently. So yeah, I like the uh, the Brody tribute at the end. That was that was nice. That was well done. Like seeing that. Of course, ten is Brody Brody Junior's favorite wrestler. So mm-hmm. that was a nice uh, nice little touch to end the show. But uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone here in the room has any thoughts on AEW, any other thoughts, let us know. You can come up to the stage, Brian. You can unmute if you have any other thoughts you wanted to go to before we switch gears here. Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to actually throw out a prediction uh, for tomorrow. So I think a lot of people were freaking out because. AEW, you know, dropped a little bit as far as total viewers, but I, I believe the last two weeks they were still holding steady around number two, number three. Now the top demo show uh, the past couple of weeks has actually been the challenge. Mm-hmm. So now since w, uh, AEW, especially last week, was at number two on a season finale show of the challenge where they did pretty strong. I think they were at a point. I think I want to say the challenge hit like a five for sure in the demo. So that could yep. help out AEW a little bit as far as the ratings for a go home shot. I think a lot of people don't have that in consideration. And the thing is, you know, AEW has been beating like NBA games consistently. The like uh, the NBA games, especially on Wednesdays, the ratings, I, I believe the Luca miracle game uh, where he bit, beat Memphis, like where uh, the last second shot, that did pretty good in the demo, but like the NBA games are not killing it. And I kind of feel like a show like this could easily be baseball. So if AEW is not, if, if they hit a pretty close to a four, number one on cable and hitting a mill, I'm sure the folks at Turner are just like, yeah, this was a pretty good investment. <laughs> yeah. So they did what? 1.1 million last week. They were like 1.2 million. Uh, the demo ratings were like 0.37 last week, I believe. Uh, 0.44 the week before that. I mean, the, the main the main competition this week is going to be cable news because they had the presidential address tonight. A lot of yes. people are probably watching that not on cable, but you're still going to have your CNN, Fox, MSNBC numbers too. So that's probably going to be the big barrier. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, I would see them probably finishing at the top or, or near the top again. Yeah, and again, I think next week is the week that's really – because it's a heavily hyped show. They've been pushing for a couple weeks now. Brian mentioned the challenge is gone. Raw's down to 1.7 this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they can beat the number from a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden you're kind of in the same neighborhood. And as far as bang for your buck, you know, TNT's paying a lot less for AEW than NBC <laughs> Universal is paying for WWE. So um, that would be interesting to see what happens. I mean, they're close enough that they're getting a way better return yes, <laughs> right yes. now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's crazy. I, it, it is Cinco de Mayo next week, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anyone is going to be, you know, out of I mean, their work with Coronas uh, instead of watching AEW or not. But uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. I guess, you know, uh, my buddy Chad passed along to me that Meltzer had brought that up. Uh, I will be having a few drinks during AEW next week, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Margarita. Yeah, the idea that you can't drink and watch wrestling seems a little silly. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, it will be interesting when those numbers come, because I want to see them above, in the viewership, above a million again, for sure. And and hopefully they'll be there and and see what that demo does. But certainly in two weeks, that could be a big night to maybe win overall on cable. We shall see. The one segment on the show we have not mentioned at all uh, was the Nightmare Factory, the trios match. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk a little about that. I know a lot of people are 
openly questioning QT Marshall in this role. I like it. Actually, I think he's a good heel. And people are like, why are we supposed to care about QT Marshall? He turned on Cody. And you're supposed to like Cody. Now, if you don't like Cody, maybe, okay, you're not that into it. But, um, you know, I, I think Nick Camarado is very, very much gives this vibe of stereotypical 1980s wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as a negative at all. I think he's nope. got some, And then a go-go, I'm telling you, they're protecting this guy. He, he wasn't even in the match, but he obviously factored into the finish uh, with his punch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I liked the thing with the bus, kind of. I mean, I guess it was convenient that QT ran back to it afterwards just so Cody could come out of it. But, you know, whatever. That's wrestling. You see it all the time yeah. um, on TV. So I, I thought that was a, a fairly effective angle as well. And it'll be interesting um, what the pay-per-view match is because Cody's wrestling QT one-on-one next week. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some combination of something. I mean, are they building the Q- uh, Cody in a go-go? Is that the destination in this? You game? might be onto something there, Mr. Ross. Yes. I think so. And I, I will say when this one got started, as as far as uh, the matches go, just looking at the card tonight, this was one of them that I wasn't like super excited for. <laughs> but but the match delivered, man. It was a it was a fun, was a fun, good little match. So uh, we got a speaker request here. Uh-oh. Michael Jenkinson, a uh, patron of the show. Joe. Welcome aboard Top Rope Nation Extra. Michael, what's on your mind? Hey, I, I'm glad you guys brought up that match, although Kyle stole most of my thunder. He said a lot of the stuff I was going to say. I, I really like yes. the way they're building a go-go. And, um, you know, that uh, Camarado guy, I mean, he they, they mentioned um, – oh, shoot, I'm, I'm totally dropping the name. Who's the, the psycho guy that got killed um, in Puerto Rico? Bruiser oh, Brody. Uh, Brody. Bruiser yeah. Brody. He mm-hmm. looks like Hercules and Bruiser Brody. And that's like a great look because we see so many of the Adonis looks in wrestling. But he's still huge, obviously. But he's got that, you know, the, 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 the hair on his chest and the wild look in his face. And you just don't see like unique looks that much anymore. So I, I'm excited about all of those guys. Now, QT Marshall doesn't do much for me. Um, but – uh, and I even liked the third guy that was the uh, the third partner with the Nightmare Family. I, I I I like you. I went into that match not like that was sort of like the, I thought it was going to be the weak point of the show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I'm seeing like three or four future stars in this match. Like, where did this come from? So I that ended up being one of the highlights of the show for me. Yeah, Shoddy Lee's a good high flyer, man. Um, yeah, and, and you know, love Dustin Rhodes. I mean, this guy's yeah, been yeah. getting it done in five decades. So you know, Billy Gunn. I mean, I guess whatever. I mean, the fact <laughs> who would have thought this guy would have been wrestling in twenty twenty one? And by the way, Rockabilly cheap, baby, yes, Rockabilly cheap, was out there. Yeah, a cheap plug last night. Uh, Ryan, Justin, and I did a new Top Rope Nation Classic reviewing nineteen ninety seven Raw. Uh, rockabilly, a brand new gimmick, and by God, uh, you could not have convinced me that 24 years later that man would still be on television with that gimmick. Holy Lord, have Michael, you got to check the Patreon feed tomorrow night. I, I was I mixing in a little bit today, but uh, it'll drop on Patreon tomorrow night. I will check it out. It was a good one. Great so. show tonight, guys. So I'm enjoying this. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah, Thanks, thank Bob. you. Thanks for joining. Appreciate it. So um, I did want to get in one other topic tonight. I, I don't want to go much past an hour max. I, I think we're supposed to go like an hour max on, on the show. So, uh, here, so here's, uh, here's the topic I want to bring up the Roddy Piper documentary Sunday night. I know it's not AEW related, but, uh, 
we got to talk about it because like we just said, we did the this, this special classic show last night. So we're not doing a, a regular flagship Top Rope Nation this week to kind of talk current events. So this is the time. And I definitely wanted to talk about it because we talked about the Steve Austin one last week. I was a big fan of that. It, that one was more like a highlight reel, though. I felt like um, telling the story of Steve Austin, it kind of skipped around, didn't go as in-depth on certain aspects of his career, 1997 in particular, like hold I on wanted one to hear second. about. Go, hold yeah. on one second. That was phenomenal analysis by you. I just <laughs> want to say that right now before I forget about it or something. Like, when, when you go in and make another point that catches my attention, ca- referring to it as more of a highlight reel than a what I'm sure you're about to say about the Piper one, that it was more of a traditional documentary. That's very yeah. good. I, I, that was a great way to put that. I'm going to steal <laughs> that. That's how I felt though. I mean, it, it was like you watch that Randy Savage or not Randy Savage. That's this Sunday that you watch that Steve Austin. Uh, I'm looking at my Randy Savage uh, Funko pop on the wall. As I say that No, you watch that Steve Austin uh, documentary and it was like, you're seeing the highs of the attitude era. And it was like fun to rewatch. Like I said on the pod last week, I loved watching it. And it's one of those things that, you know, people that casually watch wrestling in the nineties, they enjoy watching that. Uh, but this this uh, Roddy Piper one, man, I mean, this had stuff for the hardcores. The The first 10 years of his career, they really deep dived on. I mean, to talk about his time in Los Angeles, uh, of course, getting started up in Canada, but then Los Angeles, to talk about his time in Portland, to go down to Georgia Championship Wrestling, I was like, I was into it. I, there was stuff there that I didn't know. Uh, I, I couldn't really say that so much with the, with the Steve Austin one the week before. And yeah, I mean, I felt like this is this was the type that this would satisfy the hardcores. It satisfied me. I loved watching it. I thought it was extremely well done. There were there was portions of it that I was like, once again, you know, shaking my head, kind of like the week before with Triple H's comments on Austin. This time it was Hulk Hogan. Like, well, come on, man. <laughs> come I, on. Know, I'll tell you what. By Hulk Hogan standards, he was pretty close to truthful. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. In this That's a compliment, man. Pretty yeah, I mean, close I mean, to truthful. Usually, I mean, this guy doesn't say anything accurate when he's a talking head on a documentary. He was okay. <laughs> I, I thought his analysis of what the WrestleMania finish should have been was completely wrong, uh, which maybe we yes. can get into. But you're right that I'm watching this documentary, and I think, like you, Ryan, I'm used to the – WWE style productions where they kind of breeze through the pre WWE stuff as quick as possible. And they don't Mm. really let that breathe or let the viewer gain an appreciation uh, for what happened there. This very much shit I'm watching. It's like, man, we spent a lot of time pre WWE here. And that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, The only thing that was weird though, is because the narrative of the documentary was very much that Piper was this all time antagonist, which is very true. Uh, Mm. But you know, they kind of like were no selling or just pretending that he wasn't or pretending that a baby face in both Portland and uh, Crockett, which he very much was. I mean, the Valentine feud, he very obviously was a baby face. Um, so that was kind of like the only odd part. But uh, yeah, the, 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 that first half going through all that, getting some of that footage was was real cool. Do yeah. Very rare footage. And then, of course, speaking of rare footage, all that home home movie footage was tremendous mm-hmm. to see uh yeah like wwf wise they talk a little bit about the war to settle the score and then of course mania one and you know then they go into him filming they live and as far as like the wwe run wwf run goes i mean they didn't really hit hard on 
anything else really. There was a bonus scene about the uh, the Hollywood backlot brawl for Mania 12 that aired during the next show, the Lost Treasure show. Uh, but I mean, then pretty much after that, it became the highlight reel show, which you're you know you're constrained by time here on this mm-hmm. thing. But you know they showed a little bit post they live they wanted to the wcw stuff a little bit and then of course his return years later but yeah that first 10 years i mean that was the heart the heart of this show and that i thought that was well done i thought they knocked it out of the park so i mean i enjoyed watching it uh wrestlemania one yes let's get to that mr t uh hogan put over the fact that he argued with piper about putting over mr t right mm-hmm. and how he could have made so much more money (laughs) and with Orndorff in there and what happens with Hogan and Orndorff, Kyle. And I don't agree. I don't agree at all. It it, it was atrocious (laughs) analysis by Terry Eugene Balea on the WrestleMania one main event. Uh, So for those who don't know, Piper never did a clean job to Hulk Hogan and WWF. He always, he, he figured it out and you know Meltzer explained it and Piper's line of thinking isn't wrong that when you jobbed to Hogan the guy's trajectory would kind of just be a slow down but like you go you go slowly down the card after you do that you know you peak you work with Hogan you go slowly down and Piper's like I don't want to do that and you know you look at Piper after WrestleMania one he Stays the top heel in the promotion in 85 and into 86. Him and T uh, have their quote-unquote boxing match at WrestleMania 2. The magic was gone at that point because people just didn't care about Mr. T as much. As a matter of fact, the Nassau crowd turned Piper babyface in that match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of this, And then he, he took time off uh, to actually do They Live. Uh, it, so he, he was not around in the summer, uh, Piper. So, but um, the other thing is, you know, not only did Piper kind of... Pre- smartly protect himself uh, by not losing. And losing to Mr. T would have been terrible. You know, I bitched about that with the celebrity tag match they just did uh, at WrestleMania this year with Bad Bunny. You know, and talked about the lack of focus uh, on Damian Priest in that match. While I know, Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, Bad Bunny, he loves this business and we should all tip our cap. He he gave a nice performance, but Bad Bunny's not going to be on TV every week. And similar to WrestleMania 1985, WWF, Hulk Hogan's the one on TV every week. So him getting the fall was a better idea. And people underrate Paul Orndorff's role in that WrestleMania 1 tag match. So he loses and turns babyface out of it. And, you know, he's, he's friends with Hogan. And then the next year, turns on Hogan. And that was the biggest house show program WWF ever had. To that point, 1980s. They set the attendance record in Toronto for Hogan Orndorff. So I, I thought the finish was perfect as is. I don't know what the hell Hogan was talking about. Yeah, that was the uh, definitely the weak spot on yeah. the show. Though. The <laughs> analysis did make sense by Terry. Yeah, I'll say this, man. You know, I've seen it multiple times. And every time, it really comes across the television. That war to settle the score angle where they set up the rest of the match, what a fucking hot angle that was. I mean, what the did people you think about were the comments that the uh, the cops didn't know what was going on. Don't, uh, did you don't buy that? Get, no, don't get me started. Like <laughs> I said, Hulk had a few segments in a row where he said nothing that was incorrect, and I think I even texted you said, "Oh my God, Hulk Hogan hasn't lied yet on this documentary." And then, yeah, yes, you he know, did. thinking the cops didn't know that it was like that it was that it was a work. 
that they thought mm. like Mr. T was going in a bit. Well, what is this guy talking about? So, I mean, <laughs> that is analysis. The finish were very poor, but no, but yeah. th- that was a really, really hot angle. Um, I mean, WWF was firing on all cylinders at that point. It was before I was watching uh, regularly, but um, yeah, that people were going crazy for that angle. It was a, their big breakthrough, quite frankly, on MTV to run an angle like that. You know, it's kind of in the place of the main event, right? I mean, it was fe- a February show on national television. Yeah. That wasn't, you know, syndication. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was a big deal. Then um, as far as the rest of his WWF run, like kind of, you know, what they didn't talk about there was the Adonis feud, which I love, but I don't, I don't know if they, 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 that's not something they really have celebrated too much in WWE canon, which is too bad, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the Adonis character or what. Um, obviously, they were not going to show WrestleMania six. Uh, that was not missed. Um, and but they did put over the Brett match at WrestleMania eight. Hello. Yeah, I, I like that. Watching uh, Brett in his house, watching that one back. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. And him and he, Greg Valentine. He, he, I don't know, no lights on and stuff. I don't know what was he doing. I was kind of like Greg, lighting up the room a little bit <laughs> when he was watching the Starcade match. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like such a dark TV room. But um, yeah, so yeah, but it was cool to watch that. That is just a very good match, and Brett's analysis of it, uh, spot on. It's the right way to do a passing the torch match. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, far more effective than say um what hogan did at i know the matches are more famous uh with warrior and then with rock the two skydo matches but if you go back and watch those hogan very much stole the limelight for himself in both instances in those matches i thought um whereas roddy piper straight up put over bret hart at wrestlemania 8 that's actually um long term a better job by the elder statesman in a passing the torch match yeah I mean, they put over the fact i think too that piper didn't often lose to people so the fact nope. that he lost to brett that was it was his first clean job on television i believe since snooker yeah that sounds right so yeah, I mean, well done. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the Randy Savage one mm-hmm. a lot this Sunday. I mean, Savage is on my Mount Rushmore of favorite wrestlers of all time. So hopefully that won't be just as good as the first two. Yeah, and uh, we shall see. But Kyle, I'm I'm still getting this echo from my phone. It's driving me nuts. So I think we're gonna wrap it up for our first locker room show here. Next time we'll try to keep the app from a. Uh, from dying on my phone so this part doesn't happen again but uh, yep. overall this was a fun show yep and uh you know brian thank you for your kind words there and uh i do agree yes the angle will probably just get uh anthony gogo over uh what we were talking about to, to bring it back about five ten minutes uh you know at cody's expense and maybe cody takes some parental leave one of two guys at AEW that will be probably be taking parental leave in the near future yes so yeah mr moxley will be out as well mm-hmm Guys, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Make sure you follow me on here. Follow Kyle on here if you aren't already. Uh, This show I am going to put out on our general uh, podcast feed tomorrow for everyone to hear so that they can see what they need to tune in for in the future. And then, like I said, uh, this will become like a Patreon exclusive deal um, outside a locker room moving forward. But we, we will be here each and every week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to more and more audience participation as we go. Kyle, thanks. Thanks for tuning in tonight with me and uh, 
We will talk soon, I am sure, my friend. Loved it. Thanks. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good rest of your week. Peace.